This is The Art of the Hookup, your straightforward guide to a successful sex life. I'm Georgie Wolfe, an Aussie escort and total hookup enthusiast. Whether we're asking someone out or ending something that isn't working, the hardest part of dating is often talking about it. Justine is a tricky conversation expert. If you're stuck for words, she may be able to help. Before we get started, just a reminder that this podcast is adults only. And with that, let's get into it. Hi, this is Georgie here. I'm a writer, sexual adventurer and independent escort from Melbourne, Australia. My mission is to talk honestly about all the stuff you need to know to have a great hookup. And by that, I mean finding the people that are right for you, negotiating amazing sex and walking away feeling good about yourself. When it comes to sex and dating, there are a lot of awkward conversations that we know we need to have, but that are really hard to get started. Things like refusing a second date or ending a relationship might feel impossible for some of us to discuss, so instead we just run for the hills. But it turns out there's a better way. Justine is a dating app veteran and an expert in finding the right words for sticky situations. She writes beautiful breakup messages on Instagram under the handle at underscore good.buyers underscore, where she calls herself your friendly ghostwriter. In this episode, she joins us to share her secrets for tackling the big conversations and making sure that you're heard. Hello, Justine. Hi, Georgie. I really appreciate you joining us. I've been Googling you all morning and you've done some really, really cool stuff. So now I have a bit of a, like, um, you know, um, I feel a little bit intimidated, but I really look forward <laughs> to talking about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Would you mind telling us um, super briefly um, uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm a sexuality educator. I'm based in New York City, and I've been teaching uh, as the founder and director of the, a health and wellness program at a K-12 school for the last nine years, um, and I've been a teacher for about 11 Um, So I'm really fortunate to have this really unique job to teach comprehensive health education from elementary school all the way through high school. And in the last five years or so, I've been visiting many other schools and institutions to bring similar programming um, around health and wellness and particularly sexuality topics as assembly speakers or um, as consultants might do um, and helping to build curriculum. Okay, and this is really interesting because you have this really deep background in um, sex education and and now you're suddenly on Instagram writing these amazing breakup messages and I was really drawn in by them because I often find that the the hardest part of all this like online dating stuff is actually having difficult conversations, that we're really, really bad at it. We're really bad at reaching out to people and asking for things, especially when it comes to sex. And we're really bad at saying no to people, breaking up with people, rejecting people, you know, compassionately. All this stuff is really um, like hard to get your head around. And then suddenly I just come across your Instagram profile and you're just nailing it straight out of the gate. And it's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like um, there's probably a pretty good um, story here. (laughs) <laughs> um, about how you moved across from your your day day work, your sex education work, into this very very specific kind of niche. What's uh, you know how did it all come about? 
it really started with my own personal dating life. I um, have been living in New York for uh, 10 years and um, I've had some long-term relationships, but I've had more um, times in the single world. And so, you know, as a cis Asian heterosexual dating in New York City, going through the online dating apps and having robust experiences, I have also had robust conversations about how to <laughs> move things forward or how to pull things back or how to end things completely. And uh, one of my best friends was, um, you know, really impressed with how I ended relationships because uh, she would ask me, well, how did you end it with him? And I said, well, here, I'll just copy pasted it to her. And she was so impressed by how assertive it was, but how compassionate it was too, which was, um, I guess, intentional, but also just my default mode, unless someone has really violated me. And so I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And then she said, I hope you're saving these because these are really good rejections. And I said, what, what would I do with them if I save them? And she said, this would help a lot of people who struggle with doing exactly what you're doing. And I said, okay, well, hopefully I won't have more of these because I will you know, settle down and find a long-term relationship and never have to write a rejection breakup text ever again. Uh, but that, was not the, that, that wish has not yet been granted. So I'm actively still in that process um, and collecting uh, my own rejection templates for myself and then started to notice a lot of my friends who are in similar positions um, asking me for advice, like, how do I end it with this person? Um, and so I would help craft things for them and realized I kind of don't need to reinvent the wheel. I've learned that as a teacher all the time. There are lesson plans already created. And I have these templates that, you know, I can use from my own experience to maybe help other people. And so that's how I came up with uh, putting it out all in Instagram um, in a categorized fashion and color coded with different types of scenarios that one might encounter. Um, and so far it's been proven useful to the couple, you know, almost thousand or 2000 people that are following in the short time it's been up. I love how, um, sort of, uh, you know, tactful you are when you talk about your experiences and you say robust, because when I have those experiences, I say shit <laughs> <laughs> and it is shit. It's shit when you're not into someone, but you're too afraid to tell them in case they react badly. Mm -hmm. It's shit when people ghost. And, yeah. you know, maybe if it was someone we really liked, we thought there was a connection dealing with that disappointment, but then also not getting closure because they've disappeared. It's shit when we set a boundary um, and someone ignores it. Mm -hmm. uh, when we say we don't want something, when we don't want sex or we don't want a relationship and people don't respect that, it's really, it's a shitty situation that I feel like so many people are suffering from. Yeah. And outside of dating too, not just in dating do, you know, boundary settings get challenged. And we're pretty bad at communication across the board. I'm just going to generalize. I certainly know in Australia, we're pretty bad at talking about our feelings um, in a way that's constructive. And you talk about being compassionate. I kind of feel like we often feel there's only two options, fight or flight. Mm. Either we get mad at someone or we disappear, that there's no happy middle ground, you know? Yeah. I am a confronter. <laughs> that is how I tackle anxiety or uh, any discomfort. I like to nip it in the bud or address it head on. Um, it is honestly probably why I am still single because that is, <laughs> you know, really intimidating to a lot of people who are not used to tackling problems or challenges that head on. 
that directness. And this is something that I've I've gotten. I, I'm very shy and socially anxious, but doing sex work taught me to really speak up and to set boundaries and be assertive and just to talk about sex and be comfortable. Yeah. I noticed I was watching a video of you explaining um, porn to a psychologist this morning on YouTube, and it was wonderful. But he looked so uncomfortable t- <laughs> talking about porn. And you were just like, you know, and now we can see a woman with very large breasts. Uh, and now she appears to be doing X. And it was just so comfortable. And it reminded me that for most people, uh, those conversations are not comfortable. But for us, maybe it is because of our, our experience or our character. Yeah. Um, what do your friends say? Like when you say, hey, just say this, what are their reservations? Is it hard to bridge that gap? Uh, It's a mixed bag. I'll have some friends that will say, wow, I would have never been able to be as eloquent as you just wrote. Others will be like, no, that's way too bold. I think that sounds mean. And so I try to match the tone that they wish they could have. And then I kind of am the person that just executes it for them by putting the right words in the right order for them. Um, But oftentimes, I think people just don't have the words to say, but they want to, um, but they are oftentimes afraid. I just don't want to come off too abrasive or too mean. Um, and, and I get that. I am just because I might be, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, at ease with communicating. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, Mm. that it comes without challenge. Um, you know, even just vicariously living through the DMs I'm getting and crafting, you know, my followers requests, I'm Mm. thinking, wow, this is, something that I've composed, but would I have the guts to press send on this? This is a tough one. Um, and so, you know, I have my own like breathing exercises and, and even just like as I'm composing this and it's an interesting process saying, you know, is this assertive enough? Is this too mean? So I'm still going through that same type of insecurity that it might not mm. come off in the way that, you know, will take care of this person. But oftentimes I will pause and think, you know what? I am affording this person care, which is not something they necessarily reciprocated to me. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for me to, you know, be reminded I need to take care of myself before I can take care of somebody else. And um, in how I craft it, I try to, you know, give the person the benefit of the doubt. But if I feel like, um, you know, I've really been violated and offended and I've already communicated what the line was and they still crossed it, I usually uh, don't have a hard time being very um, confrontational because in some ways I think that they deserve it because they weren't even respecting the boundary to begin with. And you're defending yourself and your boundaries and we can. And my self-worth. Yeah. And your self-worth. And I guess you, there's, there are certain situations where it's really clear that we need to either stand up for ourselves or we're going to be trampled on. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering about the less clear situations because you've spent a lot of time just then talking about worrying that it might be too much or that it might hurt someone or might be too harsh or too direct. But then, and, and this is something I get often, I very, very rarely sit back and think, what if I'm not being um, setting a boundary hard enough? What if I'm not protecting myself enough it's always about the other person and I have this tendency to default to worrying about the other person their feelings and not giving enough weight to what I need and I feel like maybe that's a common thing for a lot of people definitely um you know I don't know who said this quote but I it's stuck with me ever since I saw it um when you know how much you're worth you'll stop giving people discounts Mm. and 
it really resonated with me when I started teaching about defining love and self-worth with my with my high school mm-hmm. students, because we tend to give people discounts and think, you know, well, I probably deserve that or that's probably okay, you know? And if they get upset, I, I must have said something wrong or I must have done something wrong. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and that's possible for sure. But I think, you know, we, we aren't selfish enough. And I think selfish gets a bad, you know, rap because sometimes thinking about yourself first is what you need to do in order to be a good caretaker. Yep. And so, um, you know, when I'm struggling with, is this too mean or is this just right? Um, I'm thinking first, well, what do I believe about myself? Well, I believe that I deserved kindness and that wasn't something that was afforded to me. Or I believe that I just have a boundary to set. It doesn't mean I have, um, you know, uh, any ill will or that I hate the person. It's just Mm -hmm. not the right person for me. And I want them to know. Um, But I also know, you know, people would rather, you know, not say anything at all. And then you're left wondering, what did I do wrong? And did I, you know, say something I shouldn't have said? And ghosting is the default because people want to avoid any type of communication, even if, um, you know, it might be the better thing to do to really connect with another human, even though you are parting ways with them. It's the extreme example, right, of someone who's afraid to get it wrong. Yeah, dating is already so difficult, so discouraging. And I think it is exacerbated when people want to force disconnection by not providing something that could be constructive feedback in a kind way. You're a great person. You're not just you're just not the great person for me. Or here's the thing that I wish would have been different. Um, You know, you have kids and I'm not ready to, you know, be a part of a relationship that has kids. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I have, you know, a say in and I'm an arbiter of my own body and my own desires. And that's not something I'm ready to tackle. Uh, Another one I just composed, like you smoke, I don't smoke. And I feel like there's a, you know, there's a lack of, you know, compatibility, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It's just a choice that I don't want to be a part of my life. Um, And these are all things that I feel make rejection not something that means cancel. It just means you didn't like that aspect. It's not judgment. Yeah, it's just, it's not for me. I kind of feel like because we have these ideas that a relationship should never end or you've done something wrong, that in order to get out of one, we either have to blame the other person or blame ourselves. Mm. So we either have to find a reason why the other person's a bad person, so it's okay that we left them and get really worked up about that, or we need to blame ourselves and go, I'm a terrible person, no one wants to be with me, whereas really it's okay to say we're not compatible and that's a thing that happens right. it's, it, and it takes all that sting out of it. Right. It's, it's, we either default to being very um, egotistical or very, I mean, really it's just ego. It's thinking like, okay, someone has to be blamed here for this. Where is at fault? Right. Yeah. Someone has to be at fault. Whereas like maybe no one's at fault. It's just not a match and that's mm-hmm. it. But the default is, you know, well, if this person doesn't want to, you know, have dinner with me, it means that they don't value me as a human being. And that's not the case all the time. <laughs> and unfortunately, we will cop this. This is why rejection is so, is a risky business, right. realistically, because, you know, a lot of people, when they do feel negative emotions, mm-hmm. uh, will 
will immediately try to blame it on the other person. So if you reject someone, um, yeah, maybe they will try and blame it on you because rejection is not fun to experience and it feels better if we can turn that back around and put it on someone else than just go, rejection sucks and now I need to deal with it. Right. Um, so, yeah, it can feel kind of risky to, to set a boundary or to say no or to break up. Have you ever had any um, clients that have had, despite having these beautifully, perfectly written <laughs> Uh, messages had bad reactions from their people? You know, I'm only a month and a half in on this uh, account and I have yet to get feedback, um, you know, from from what I've provided folks. And so I'm planning on, uh, you know, putting something on my story is like, have you gotten a customized template from me? If so, how did it go? Um, because I don't, yeah, I've not yet gotten one piece of feedback, which could mean that everything's good or it did not go well. <laughs> Who knows? It could mean no disaster stories. <laughs> Maybe, right. <laughs> How about you? Oh, yeah. Well, for me, um, actually, you know, the first uh, the first 10 or so posts are actually from my directly from my personal dating life. That's how I kind of So you actually sent it. them. I actually sent them. I mean, the names are different and uh, and things like that, but um but I actually sent those and for the most part, they have been well received. I can think of two instances where uh, the, the person I was dating did not take it well. Um, and actually in one of those instances, nine months later, I got an apology email for Aww. him not having taken it well and realized that he Great. should have taken it better. That's so, personal growth right there. Right. That's right. what we like to see. Um, but of the ones that, you know, are, are on the account, those were all taken, um, well, uh, you know, I'm sure it was still very tough for them to read because it is, you know, they they were being vulnerable. They were putting themselves out there and I was rejecting them. But I'd like to think in a kind and compassionate way. So oftentimes the response has been, wow, thank you so much for at least telling me that you could have easily ghosted and you chose not to. Um, it's a bummer or it's a bummer because I really liked you, but I understand if you didn't feel the same way. Good luck to you. But I mean, honestly, that's, really, that's nice. really, yeah, been the responses I've gotten. Um, and, you know, I and this isn't the case with all of my exes, but um, I am in contact with a good number of my exes as real platonic friends. Um, and I wonder if there's, you know, somewhat of a connection to that, too, in, you know, the way we ended things was very civil and like, you're great. I'm great. We're just not great with each other. Um, respectful you know? yeah. and not blaming anyone and that's a, that can be a great way to to go right um I'm actually just going to read a couple of yours if that's sure, okay just sure. so that our listeners know because they are really spot on so there's a there's a really short one which I think is perfect for post tinder first date I'm not feeling the chemistry anymore after last night thanks for your time and giving us a chance yeah. just super direct short and sweet perfect um okay here's here's a can of worms I love this is great. Um, hi, Tobin. Thanks for taking me out for brunch yesterday. Although I've had fun texting you and meeting up, I was taken off guard when you mentioned that you have a kid. This is information that I wish I knew when we first matched because I'm not prepared to be in a relationship with someone who has that kind of responsibility. I wish you well and take care. Heavy, heavy topic yeah. to discuss, right? Yeah. And hard to bring that stuff up without being shaming or... Um, you know, or judgmental, right. but you've done it. Right. I mean, you're, you're entitled to the preferences, right? And it, some of those preferences can be politicized, can be very controversial. Um, but if this is someone that you want to spend intimate time with, 
you should get a say as to, you know, who that person is and who you're going to share that time with. It's definitely important to interrogate why you have those preferences and what are the roots and origins of those preferences, because sometimes that can be very, you know, problematic, problematic and racialized, fetishized, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Oh, my God. For sure. Yep. Um, and that's what makes it so tricky, because, um, you know, there were a couple comments in, in that um, one you just read where people said, oh, my God, that's so messed up. Why didn't they tell, you know, tell them right away that they had a child? And somebody else said they do, do not owe an explanation on the first date if they're not comfortable sharing that they have a child. Both sides are totally valid. And I think what's right? interesting is no one's wrong. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm literally the messenger here in uh, being the ghostwriter. I'm, I'm not a therapist. I am helping them craft the words that they want to articulate, but, you know, might just struggle to. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's something I would send if I was in that position personally, um, or I might have a different tone. Mm. But my, my objective is, can I help this person assert a boundary that they can't do on their own. Um, And that's really all I'm doing. But, um, you know, people are going to have their own, uh, you know, polarizing opinions as to whether or not, you know, that preference should even be a preference. I follow a a Facebook group called Bad Dates of Melbourne and people write in and send send in their terrible dating Mm. stories anonymously. And then my friend publishes them on this page. And a lot of them are things like, um, oh, I found out he was a smoker, so then I did a runner. Or And then I found out he'd lied about his age, he was really 10 years older. Right. And when these kind of things come up, everyone in the comments is always looking to work out who's wrong. Yeah. Was, the, was the person who lied about their age wrong or the person who didn't front up to having kids wrong mm-hmm. or is the smoker wrong? But actually, it's really just that we have different preferences. Yeah. And once that becomes apparent, it's time to go separate ways. Right. But we don't need to blame, right? Right, Absolutely. Absolutely. This is particularly um, sort of relevant. Um, there's a couple of messages in, in your um, Instagram profile about relationships and not just about romantic ones, but about trying to stay out of them, which is really relevant for this podcast because we mostly talk about hookups. Yeah, the casual category. The keeping it casual conversation is one of the hardest conversations mm-hmm. to have. It's so hard and it's so emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly this is something that, people have asked you about and is it something that you've experienced as well Uh, either being on the receiving end of I just want a casual relationship or being the person that's saying look I don't want this to escalate yeah you know I think the problem with this under misunderstanding is that we're often taught that you know uh there's only one type of attraction and that's romantic Mm. that automatically is synonymous with sexual attraction and those are two very different things for many Mm. people maybe it is synonymous, but there are some people that like, I'm not in love with you. I just want to fuck you. And that's it. I just like you. I am yep. a physical, I have a physical needs as a human being that is a sexual being. And, you know, that that's, that's the only thing that I want to be able to experience with you. Um, and that is totally good. But I think um, we are not yet in a culture that normalizes those two mm. things. Um, as separates or it can be separate. And so, yeah, I do get um, some um, often requests about, I want to make sure that they know I don't want this to be serious. Um, Or someone says, I want this to be serious. And they keep saying that they want to keep it casual. How do I navigate that conversation? Um, And, you know, I think really communicating right off the bat, what are your intentions here? 
right? It's kind of like, you know, when you're in a job interview, like, why do you want, why are you interested in this job? Like, that's one of the first things they ask. Like, why are you interested in, you know, seeing me? It's like, oh, well, I'm interested in, in dating you for a potential long-term romantic relationship, or I'm just looking for something casual, um, you know? Mm. Uh, I'm also seeing other people. But these aren't conversations we normalize because it's awkward. It's vulnerable. We, we're afraid of judgment. And we need to take the stigma out of stigma and shame out of sex. Yeah. And also take take away this idea that romance is about things just happening. And this is the same. It happens with sex too, right? This idea that good sex, it just happens and nobody has to talk to anyone else. And and it's the same with relationships. We assume that a good relationship, you you both just know that you're right for each Mm -hmm. other and you don't have to talk about it and suddenly you're meeting their mother or whatever. And so there's this reluctance to open up that sort of Pandora's box mm. and actually talk about what are we doing right now and how are you feeling about it? Um, and I've been I've been squashed so many times under this particular problem that now with the people I date every couple of months, I sit them down and go, just checking in, how's this relationship mm-hmm. going for you? Which bits are working? Which bits aren't? Yeah. Are you still happy to be in it? Like just keep checking in uh, because when we don't, suddenly we get sucked into Disney and it's not, it's not a great place to be, right. not being able to talk. And Georgie, what you just explained there, that's consent culture right? That's Mm. really setting boundaries is all about understanding what consent is. I think we have this skewed idea that consent is always or only about like right before an act is about to happen. And right before things go in holes, if you're head. Yeah, there we go. And it's not, it should be an (laughs) ongoing conversation about like, are you comfortable with everything? Not just what's happening in the bedroom. Right, the volume of the music in your living room. What are your boundaries? What kind of movies you watch? What What can I do to be, you know, um, you know, a uh, a more supportive partner for you? Right, and that Mm -hmm. that looks like a lot of things, and that's all a part of boundary setting. One of my favorite episodes from the the show Broad City um, is Mm -hmm. when Ilana and um, her her partner at the time. Uh, who's Hannibal uh, Burgess, they have a one-year anniversary um, dinner where they basically take out a contract on their book and, and they're like going through, all right, so how do you feel now about these moves or moving here oh. or doing these things? It's a, it's the one-year check-in, right? Because if, it changes. Right, exactly. Because you can change your mind. Your desires might change, right? You evolve together as a partnership, whatever it might be. But why, why aren't we that fluid and flexible when it comes to something that can have such high stakes to our emotional security? Right. And this can happen for casual hookups and casual partnerships Absolutely. too. Things do change and it is necessary. You might start out on the first date, you know, first post-Tinder match or whatever going, I don't want a relationship. And then three dates later you check in and go, hey, this is really fun, but I still don't want a relationship. Mm-hmm. And the other person might go, yeah, this is really fun, but I'm feeling a connection that's a bit more than that um, I wasn't expecting. Right. And then you can talk about what that means and what to do with it. But because we don't, we just sort of go into this death spiral. Yeah, yeah. I had one um, that I posted, I think it was last week, uh, someone who was uh, working abroad for like a set cer- certain number of months, um, you know, knew that whatever, you know, whoever she was seeing was going to be temporary because she was going to be flying back um, to, you know, her home country um, and it mm. would end there. So she was reaching out, asking for help on making sure that, you know, um, everyone's on the same page, that this is a temporary fling. And if your feelings change outside or beyond casual, please communicate that with, with me so that nobody is hurt by the time I'm leaving for the airport. 
And, um, and, you know, I think that that was a really, that was really great foresight. It's very compassionate for them to be thinking that far ahead because they want to make sure that everyone is comfortable and taken care of. Um, and so I, I helped to ghostwrite that one. <laughs> That's lovely. I, I, I really feel like honesty is a way that we look after ourselves, but it's also a way that we can look after other people. And I care about the people Definitely. that I sleep with regardless of the late relationship. And I find that I might not be able to say what they want to hear, but I can give them honesty. Yes. Um, and that's the greatest gift I can give, even if it feels like tough love at the time, yeah. even if they don't appreciate it at the time, uh, it's it's doing right by them, even if yeah. even if it's difficult for them. Yeah. You know? And, you know, Georgia, I would be remiss to not mention that um, I agree with you and um, only if you feel it is safe for you to do so. My, my recommendation is never you have to say something to reject someone, right? If it is not safe for you, you feel like there is an imminent threat to your life, your physical health, maybe your emotional health, right? That's fine. You don't need to say something. But if you feel like you are in you know, safe quarters to be able to communicate why you are no longer going to be in contact with somebody, I recommend doing that because it allows that person to have closure, an understanding, um, feedback, and maybe, you know, help them to understand going forward with the next person that they date, how they might be perceived to either prevent something they may have done to offend another person um, or just realize that what they're doing can be received in a very different way. Or they might feel empowered to have similar conversations with other people yes, that because be it's been too. had with them. Right. Yeah. But it's true. Sometimes when we talk about doing a runner or talk about ghosting, mm -hmm. sometimes you do have to block, block and right. ghost um, right. if someone's super inappropriate or really pushing a boundary. Definitely. Um, so it's good to it's good to to note that none of this stuff is a rule. Right. right. We're all different in what we're capable of doing. Right. Um, and what sort of conversations we're capable of having. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. What do you think is the most difficult situation for you, either one that you've had to come up with, uh, a message you've had to come up with for yourself or something you've been asked to write for someone else? You know, the only one so far that I um, actually had to turn down was um, they wanted to get help in, um, in ending someone's marriage um, because they were the mm -hmm. other person. And Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I said, I can certainly help you have a conversation with the person about, you know, your feelings towards them, but I will not give mm. you language to help them break up or divorce. No, that's manipulating someone. Right. Um, and so they said, I understand. And they, that, and that was it. I didn't hear from them again. Um, but it was interesting for me to read because, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I wanted to make sure that people knew that my role was to ghostwrite in ways that I believe are ethical only. <laughs> so I didn't, I guess I didn't have any foresight of like, you know, am I going to help ghostwrite anything? Am I going to help ghostwrite how to commit arson <laughs> or something? Right. And so I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm going to have to have my <laughs> own boundaries as a boundary setting ghostwriter. It's a power. Yeah. And, and you need to decide what to use it for. Right, right. And so um, so that was the, probably the only one that um, I wouldn't say was challenging, but um, gave me pause because I, I, didn't, I didn't predict a situation like that. Um, so, you know, um, uh, the ones that are hardest to read are that are the easiest to write um, are the ones about crossing the line. And I 
I hate that it is so common. Um, I, I, I will get DMs from, mm. from people who will say, I was recently on a date and I was very clear verbally and physically that I didn't want, you know, something physical to happen, but their hands were in my pants or they kept, you know, pushing me into them, you know, whatever it might be. And I just didn't know, um, you know, at the time how to protect myself. And I want to make sure they know now that this is, they're never going to see me again. Um, and sometimes yeah. it's, it's a friend they've known for many years. Others, oh it's a God. completely, it yeah, post-Tinder date. They met one time ever, things like that. Um, and what I learned as a sex educator, you know, of, um, of 10 years is that I have given a lot of workshops and trainings and, you know, speaking engagements around, you know, rape culture and how do we dismantle patriarchy and what are the reasons that toxic masculinity contributes to, you know, um, a lot of these, um, you know, things around around rape culture um, and how to say yes, how to say no, all of that. But I have never been on the ground, if you will, to provide oh. direct impact to someone who is surviving a sexually violent um, episode by giving them different feeling. the exact script to send to their perpetrator. And yep. Um, yep. I didn't expect that to be, um, uh, you know, a, a different layer to the career that I thought was already so uh, well established to provide me with this new, yeah, layer. Um, and so it's been empowering for me to feel like I can help in a completely different way that I haven't been in the last decade because I'm mm. giving them like specific words in a specific order for them to copy paste and send. Um, and, and that's been really, um, rewarding in a way that I haven't had yet in my career. It's a really powerful thing. And as someone who's both perpetrated, um, sexual assault and been a victim of it, yeah. I feel like sometimes not not having the words afterwards is almost the worst yeah. thing. If something's happened to you yeah. and you feel like someone has um, has ignored your boundaries or violated your boundaries in a way that makes you feel like less of a human being, sometimes just not and then feeling like you need to then be silent mm -hmm. and because you don't know how to constructively right. um, push back or even just be heard at all, yeah. um, it just compounds that sort of like shitness. Yeah. Um, and I feel like having things to say um, it doesn't fix the problem, but it, it, it certainly for me, it's given me a little bit more of a chance to to say this is what you did. And I've done it with a couple of people, one or two people, um, where there have been boundary violations mm -hmm. and I've written to them and said, hey, just wanted to let you know that when we got together at that kink club, uh, you know, last week, you know, and we did not negotiate for X and you did X and it was really shit and I think that you should not do that and I think you should know better. But that's a hard mm -hmm. thing, hard conversation to have when we don't know what we're going to get back. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I, for most people, I imagine getting that, having that voice is really hard. Right. So that, that's powerful stuff. Right, yeah. Mm. Um, but I guess sometimes just uh, it doesn't really matter what the response of the other person is. Sometimes it's just the fact that we've stated our position and we felt like we've been heard. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like being heard is sometimes just as important as actually getting getting the outcome that you want? I think so. I think there's something really um, healing when you can, you know, name it, you tame it, right? Um, when you can name what, you know, what you're feeling and tell the other person what you're feeling, um, there is something productively and constructively um, healing in being mm. selfish, 
That's why, you know, again, I want to bring in that word that if, if this is self-serving, yep. because it'll just help you to tell someone how you feel, um, who has wronged you, then I feel like you have a right to do that. Um, I think, um, you know, we can hope, we can only hope for a, a well-received response. Um, but for some people, healing for them is just telling the other person what happened and how it made them feel. And healing is different for everyone also, right? So that's not going to necessarily be the solution. You know, sometimes, you know, therapists will say, write an email to him, but don't send it. Send it to your best friend instead, right? So it's just to get the words out and to see mm-hmm. it in writing and see, yeah, that's how I feel. That validates my feeling. That's healing in and of itself. And I matter as a person and what I need matters as a person. So I'm going to define what those things are that I need and what I deserve. And then even just saying that helps reinforce that and bring back a bit more of that feeling of I have a right to state these things, you know. Um, And it's really nice. It's lovely to have words for all of these situations because then we get to say, look, you know, I get to say what I want in my dating life right. and I get to I get to ask for what I want even if I don't always get it right right mm. do you feel like you were talking about um using your amazing communication powers for good mm-hmm. earlier um and trying to stay ethical and is there a is there an easy way to tell if if we're using our good communication skills whether we're using them ethically or whether we're using them to manipulate people in a way that's mm. not that's not ethical. What's the, where's the line there? That's so tough, Georgie. I think it's so subjective. Um, and I think that's mm. why in some of my posts, I'll have, you know, people for and against what I decided to share. Uh, one I'm thinking of is, um, is about uh, someone who had ghosted a person they were dating and didn't reach out for two straight years, but then wanted to apologize uh, for having done that. And so I drafted something up for them. Um, and it was to the, to the DMer, genuinely no intentions, but to say, I am so sorry that I did that to you. I've had time to reflect on it and I've grown and I want nothing more than to, for you to just know that I am apologizing for, you know, my, um, my, you know, my mm. lack of compassion, um, uh, Amazing. You know, whatever. And so I was like, that sounds like a genuine, well-intentioned, you know, reason to want to reach out. Um, and so I drafted something and uh, it was received by some followers as what was the point of that? That just sounds like self-serving and manipulative oh. because it's like they're trying to get that person back and make it seem like they're apologetic to oh. bring them back. Um, yeah. Or, you know, if they feel, then write it in a journal. There's no need to reach out to someone that you may have traumatized. And so I can see that too. And I actually reached out to a couple therapists um, that follow me asking, hey, what's your take on this? Because it seems like a very polarizing, um, you know, uh, scenario. And mm-hmm. um, some responses I got was, you know, I think it depends a lot on people's dating histories. If they've been wronged yes. in the past by that, they're going to default to, you know, safe mode, which is, uh, you know, this fe- this feels wrong because this is triggered what has happened to me in the past and I was manipulated. Mm-hmm. Whereas others yes. were, I had a, you know, restored sense uh, and faith of humanity because this person grew over time. So I think this is great that the person wanted to apologize. But it was interesting how um, different the opinions were because um, 
I really read it as this person genuinely wants to apologize. Now, does that mean I'm going to reach out to someone that I wronged 10 years ago? I could. And I feel like for me, that could be healing, but that might be deemed as negatively selfish by reaching out to someone I heard mm. who's trying to move on from something move I on. did. So it's really tricky. And, you know, when it comes to ethics, I don't have an answer for it because everyone is so unique and variable with what their own traumas look like that it's going to be received in totally different ways. And in some ways, my templates, no matter how compassionate they could be, can absolutely be received in the wrong way because in the end, you're still rejecting someone. And they yes. might take it in a way that is, wow, you are rejecting me as a, as a human being, not as this aspect of who I am. So everyone's going to no receive it. No matter how it. well you put it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And of course, the, the other end of the stick for that is that um, if we want to do people harm, we can use these amazing words and compassionate words can be used to hurt other people. Yeah. Even the, the best words and the words that have been crafted really well can be used in a way that will hurt other people. And there's no, there are no rules for that, right? Yeah. Um, that if we're angry or, or we feel ashamed or guilty, sometimes what we say will have a, a weight to it mm -hmm. that's going to come across and land on the other person. And that maybe if we're still angry at someone or we still feel are bad and we haven't processed the feelings, maybe it's not the right time to send that particular message. Right, right. Um, do you have any advice with that sort of thing when you when you make these messages for people? Do you say, hey, you know, send it at the right time or send it when you feel is right? Or is it kind of like here's the thing and now it's up to you to decide when to release it into the wild? Yeah, I think the, the latter. Um, you know, I, I think I – I just hope that they know when is the right time to send it. One, one had said, great, if I need to end up using this, I will. And yes. now I have the script ready to go. So yes. for me, I he heard that as great. They, they just wanted to equip themselves with, you know, the, the tool. And uh, if they ever need it, then it's, it's there to, it's, you know, it's ready to go. Um, mm. So I don't advise beyond, uh, you know, giving the, giving the scripts. And I, I try to remind people because they'll ask, like, what's your advice on this? And I said, I am not a therapist uh, and I'm also not your best friend to know enough of your story um, <laughs> to know. But if you just tell me what you want out of this, you know, relationship or lack thereof, I will put those words together for you in the right order um, to get to have this ready to go and be sent. It almost sounds like it could be an advantage if we had these scripts already before we needed them. If we had a, ah. um, sorry, I don't want a relationship script and we had a, um, you know, I like you but there's no connection script or a um, you really crossed my boundaries when we hung out and that was not okay script. And, in fact, if anyone is looking for these things, you have them on your Instagram helpfully labelled under those headings. Yeah, and actually, Georgie, <laughs> you reminded me there have been people that, I've been getting some really nice DMs about how it has helped them be proactive in their relationships because they know they have this toolkit, if you will, um, and they've already started applying um, the templates. And it was never something they custom they asked me to customize for them. They just already saw, hey, that one from two weeks ago looks applicable mm -hmm. to something that just happened with my partner, and I'm going to apply that now. Um, and so I... I'm glad that the templates are not only helping the person that I customized it for, but the templates are serving a purpose for just viewers who are scrolling through. 
Um, and I and I had this really powerful, um, heartbreaking uh, thank you that someone said, you know, I wish that, you know, your account was up two years ago when I was in this abusive relationship. It would have helped me to probably leave earlier than I did. I just never had the right words to do so. Um, and, you know, I, I, gosh, like I, that one that hurt because I was like, I wish I did this two years ago for you. Oh. And I just hope that those that are having access to it now are able to proactively, you know, know that this is something that they can use. Yeah. And it's not even having the words is wonderful and having them in reserve, but then also just reading through and normalizing the fact that people can say this. Yeah. Stuff. I think that's really powerful looking and going, oh, someone actually sent that to someone you know, after they'd been sexually assaulted. Right. Someone actually sent that to their partner right. who, who needed to do better. Um, that's a really powerful thing in itself. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, this has been amazing. Thank you. It actually got a little bit heavier than I expected. I might have to put a bit of a content warning at the beginning of this one. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, um, but it's been great. And the power that you have in, in the words that you have is just so amazing. Thank you so much for talking about them. Yeah, thank you, Georgie. I appreciate being able to um, put, you know, a, a verbal aspect to it in an audio version than just over the text <laughs> in the in the Instagram. Because, of course, sometimes we do need to say these things to people face to face, and then it gets more difficult, right? Definitely. And I guess um, we'll be wrapping up in a second, but I guess that would be my second to last question. Um, you know, how does this change when we have to speak it? Because obviously we can't spend hours getting our message perfect. Yeah. Um, what, what are your personal strategies for having the conversation face-to-face? -face? Practice it. Um, I would say, you know, get in front of a mirror and, you know, read the script, whether it's the one that I wrote mm -hmm. or it's the one that you're, you know, composing yourself, but actually say it a few times. I think, um, you know, when you can practice saying it out loud, it makes it less and less intimidating. Um, if you're mm -hmm. ready for that next step, maybe you're practicing, you, you practice saying it with an, a friend of yours that knows your situation. Um, but, you know, this is just like we would do in sex ed classes. You do role play exercises on, you know, hey, I'm really interested in you. Like, would you want to go out with me? You practice saying that out loud. Or do you have a condom? Um, because I don't want to have sex today unless we're, we, ha we do it safely, right? So you practice yes. saying it because you don't want the first time you're saying it to be the time where it matters the most. Right. That's the most awkward time. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, even when I'm doing condom demonstrations with my students, I, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch it. And I said, but I don't want the first time that you touch it to be the time when the stakes are the highest. So if you're going to me mess up, I want you to mess up now by doing it here with this wooden dildo when you have, you know, a teacher that can tell you what you're doing right and wrong so that if you make a mistake, She's got a basket of 20 other ones that you can pick from. Low stakes. Right. The low stakes is when you want to practice mm -hmm. it. So if that's in your bathroom mirror, if that, that's with your friend, then that's how you can practice saying it. And, you know, even, actually... just, and even just like start when you say it to the actual person saying, you know, this is hard for me to say. Admitting yeah. that so that they already know that, okay, something's happening here and they're taking, you know, some extra breaths than they normally do. Hopefully it brings their guard down because it's a humanizing moment by admitting vulnerability. Right. And also you don't have to look amazingly perfect and poised and confident delivering these difficult conversations. It's okay for it to be difficult. And this is the other thing I feel with relationships. We feel like we're failing if we look unsure of ourselves mm. 
or nervous, but actually everyone is nervous having these conversations. So it's fine to go, this is terrifying for me to say, but I have to yeah. say it now. So just bear with me while I get my thoughts together. Right. You know? Right. And I have some scripts that even start like that. This is hard to text you, but it's important to <gasps> me that you know how I felt about last night's. Right. And so that's text messaged. And yet it's still hard to write that text message. So let them know that that's a very humanizing, powerful, um, you know, medium. And showing that bit of vulnerability and going, hey, I feel bad about this, too. And I know you're going to feel bad about Mm -hmm. this. So Mm -hmm. I just want to make it clear that I also feel bad rather than just dumping that on the other person. And then they're the ones that have to have the bad feelings. Admitting that it's hard for everyone can be really humanizing. Right. This has been really amazing. I imagine that some people that are listening might have their own situations, things that they're struggling with, things they need words for. Um, if, If that's the case, where can people find you and what's your service look like exactly? Yeah, well, some people have started to... Uh, DM me about non-dating scenarios. Um, And I'm happy to help with any type of boundary setting um, so long as it's something I feel confident in in providing to you. Um, So, you know, you can find me on the Instagram account at underscore good period buys underscore and uh, DM me directly your request. I've been asked to help someone break up with their therapist um, someone else is, I'm working on the ones about like, how do I tell my partner that his parents are so overbearing with me? <laughs> uh, mm. and you know, things like that. So it's not necessarily a goodbye or a rejection. It's just, you know, I need you to help me set a boundary with my in-laws or with my boss or with my, you know, bigoted family member, um, you know, whatever it might be, or my friend who hasn't, you know, been as loyal as they could be, but I don't want to say goodbye to them. So I'm, I'm happy to help if I can. Um, and they can find me directly on the, uh, on the Instagram account. That's wonderful. And getting better at all these difficult conversations can only serve to make us better at hookup conversations. So I feel like all of this life experience and practice at talking and communicating, it all just feeds straight back into our sex lives anyway, Mm -hmm. even if it's not sex related, it's helpful. So this is good stuff. Totally, totally. Thank you so much. Um, I've really enjoyed having this chat. It's been really enlightening. Thank you, Um, George. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me time to really normalize communication and boundary setting. We need need more of it. So thank you for letting us use your platform. Thanks for listening. I hope it's been as good for you as it's been for us. As with all my encounters, I love hearing feedback. You can find me online at artofthehookup.com And that's also the place to go to learn more about my book project. Please share this podcast with anyone that you think would benefit from hearing this stuff. Spread the word as well as the love, and let's make the world of hookups a better place.